0: Three True Outcomes, they want to entertain you today. Three True Outcomes, insightful baseball
1: news underway. want to win that score sheet, you're going to want to stay with Three True Outcomes. Howdy, welcome to the Three True Outcomes Score Sheet Baseball Podcast presented by Baseball Prospectus. I am the guy who likes cream, but not too much cream. Ian Lefkowitz. And I am here with the world's greatest dancer, Ben Murphy. Wow. Uh, Good evening. Wouldn't say if it wasn't true. And joining us from our nation's (laughs) capital, it's a dog.
0: (laughs) That was fantastic. Good job.
1: Our best co host yet. Uh, Jared, you're fired.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice working with you guys.
1: Yeah, it's our uh, human fish, Jared Weiss. Jared Weiss, <laughs> how are you doing?
2: Hello, fine, thanks.
1: <laughs> oh, how's how's Owen's dog doing?
2: <laughs> Great. I'm I'm home alone with Peach right now, so I apologize uh, for any
1: barking. Apologize for nothing. Um, what do we think this is? Canada. <laughs> It's a kind of shout-out. Sorry to everyone. Um, Sorry. It's okay.
3: Canada's a funny joke until you live next to Canada and you know, like, many Canadians and you realize, like, that's actually how they are and then it's just, sort of like, a novelty.
1: And then it's an even better joke. Every Canadian <laughs> I have met makes that joke better. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, if you don't understand what I was talking about in the beginning, uh, wait for the best things I saw this week. Uh, all will be slightly explained, but in the meantime we have a uh a, a good show i't don't, i don't know if we have a great show for you, right we have a seventy five percent show do we
3: ever
2: have
1: a great show for that? yeah i don't want to oversell anyone like, <laughs> promise and and deliver like, yeah like i am expecting a great show today, and then they 're like, well, that was okay we know <laughs> we're um, yeah what we lack in um you know, professionalism we make up for in realistic expectation setting. Uh, <laughs> but before we get to our very good show, uh, we are happy to take your questions. And uh, we have a lot of great questions come in uh, that came in this week, more than we have time to answer on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean we don't want more, because maybe your questions will rise to the top in some kind of Darwinian uh, you know, question battle royale style, hunger game style contest where only one question can survive, uh, or we'll reasonable. just take more questions next week. I don't know, one or the other. <laughs> um, but if you do have questions, send them to us at scoresheet at baseballrespectus.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but I'm going to turn it over now to our mailbag captain and mailbag dog. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I want to say thanks for all the questions that came in and especially to the people who wrote in saying, yeah, I'm just writing this question because Jared sounded sad and wanted some questions. <laughs> I'm wondering if if like, if I say, if I ask like, money, would you guys send in money too or is it just questions? <laughs> that, Let's uh, try push so. our
1: luck. Chocolate. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, thanks. And as always, if you have a trade question with a deadline that you need us to get back to you by, please include that in the email. Otherwise... Sometimes we'll just wait till we're all around a line at the same time. That could take a few days. Um, The first question comes from Mark. And he uh, wanted to know about some of the terms that were used on the podcast. He wants to know about when we say bank bank stats, what does that mean, since doesn't Scorsese just use each week's stats? And then he also wants to know about peripherals. What do we mean exactly when we're talking about peripherals? And what other data sources do we use um, other than Picoda, Or is it just Picoda? Why do we use other projection systems? Do we just shop around until we find something that we like? So bank stats, peripherals, data sources, go. Uh,
1: All right. Is it OK if I go first. first? Thanks for shooting us three questions at a time. Yes. Uh, Go
3: ahead. Okay, so bank stats. um, The idea here is that going into the playoffs, your performance is going to be based on, I think it's five-sixths what you do before September and one-sixth after. Or maybe I'm mixing it up. It's two-thirds before September and one-third September.
1: I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was uh, about 60-40 weighted towards September.
3: No, September's weighted disproportionately, but, like... Anyway, the reason that we talk about bank stats is because going into the playoffs, your playoff performance is some combination of... So you submit your playoff lineup um, at the end of August. And then how your players actually do in the playoffs is a combination of performance to date, like, up to August 31st, and then performance from... September first to the start of the playoffs uh, and I want to say that since the season is normally six months, you would expect that September would be one sixth but it's like weighted disproportionately going into the playoffs um, but still like the season to date the performance that the players have had is part of how you'll predict how well they will do in the playoffs because the performance before august thirty first is I think a greater than fifty percent share of their playoff expectations and so when we talk about bank stats we're basically saying that like the home runs that the guys have hit already and the strong performance in the season to date is something that will benefit you in the playoffs even if the player does have some kind of regression and so if the player regresses and uh let's say you're expecting him to hit a 700 ops but he's hit like 850 in the season to date uh his Expectation for each of the weekly performances at the end of the year might still be 700, but the like month and a half, two months of 850 OPS that he's gotten so far will mean that his playoff expectations are higher than 700.
1: Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. I, I pulled up the um, relevant rule right here. So, Excellent. how a player performs in the playoffs are based 40% on how he does during the last four weeks of the season and 60% on how he does before Labor Day. And uh, there's an exact rule, which is even more specific. It multiplies the player's Major League stats for games beginning on Labor Day by 3.33, then it adds in all his stats from all games before then. Thus, if he played the same amount of time in the majors for the whole year, a player's Major League stats after Labor Day would count for 40% and stats before Labor Day would count 60%. If he plays more per week in the majors in the last four weeks than he did earlier in the year, his stats for the last four weeks would count for more than 40%. And if he plays less in the last four weeks, his stats would count for less than 40%. Exciting. Of course. That sounds pretty clear.
3: Thanks, score sheet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, So I don't know if anyone has any questions on that. I certainly don't.
3: Are we good to move on to peripherals? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, So I know I mentioned peripherals a few times when we were talking about specific players. I'm mostly looking at defense-independent peripherals, so like walk rate, hit rate, home run rate. Um, Especially for hitters and pitchers individually, those are a little bit easier to key off of for me just because... Um, I feel a little bit more comfortable in their, I'll say, validity and stability. Um, There's less uh, circumstance around their outcomes, generally. Um, They've also been shown to be, in a conglomerate, more predictive of future performance, especially for pitchers, um, just because it doesn't have any of the noise that comes with, uh, say, like, Um, how many home runs, or how many fly balls turn into home runs, or how many ground balls get turned into outs, and that sort of thing that can impact, um, you know, how many base runners are allowed, and how many inherited runners end up scoring, and all those other sorts of things.
1: Yeah, so my reaction to that is that um, peripherals have not been the right term for a very long time. Uh, Peripherals aren't, it's not a score sheet term, it's a, a term that comes from, I think, the sabermetric world. I, I want to say it's Jamesian, because what it originally meant was that um, you know wins and ERA were the actual performance metrics, and then things like strikeouts and walks are peripheral metrics. They're peripheral to success. Um, over time, I, I think we've all learned that... And, and Bill J... Uh, and early sabermetricians, their point was I think that it was more... Um, that it was... A, Important. But now we kind of understand that that is success, and I think to some degree, the way a player pitches is reflected more in stats like strikeouts than it is in ERA, and certainly than wins. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think it's a case of terminology and jargon kind of misrepresenting what baseball is about. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Basically, we're just trying to figure out how is the pitcher or hitter going to play going forward, and we're looking at uh, the stats that we think will best predict that for the rest of the season. Well um, summed.
1: <laughs> yep. And Ben,
2: one quick thing about ERA, because I know Scoresheet uses ERA, if I'm not mistaken, so you have to be yeah. a little careful with some of the defensive, independent things, because you know if a pitcher plays for, I don't know, the Indians... <laughs> <then Yep. laughs> Um, he's going to have a worse ERA, and it's not his fault, and he's still a good pitcher, but it's going to be a worse score sheet player. Uh,
3: as long as you assume that the impact on his ERA that comes from pitching in front of the Indians' defense is a permanent and long-term thing, then I think
2: it's delicate. Sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying that's true, but it's you just have to keep that in mind. He's not going to automatically regress to some of his indicators.
1: Right. Very fair.
2: Um, and the last point was about data sources. What data sources do we use? Why do we use different projection systems? Uh,
3: so I'll start and then anything I miss you guys can fill in. I think um, we collectively have a tendency to look at the information on Baseball Prospectus' site and also on fan graphs. And I think part of that is... In certain cases the information that we want is easier to get to quickly on fan graphs um, obviously we have some uh, loyalty to baseball prospectus and I think probably myself most specifically um, and I'm actually like not just saying that because baseball prospectus helps um, make sure the podcast gets up every week or even because like I used to work for baseball prospectus but because when i did work for baseball prospectus some of the things that i built are like the um team tracker that we've talked about for using for tracking your score teams and like the statistics reports mm-hmm. um since i've left uh Rob mccown's made numerous improvements to all of those things uh, and so they're much better than anything i ever ever did but um i'm still sort of partial to them um, I think the other nice thing in terms of Fangraphs is that it does have multiple projection systems that you can compare. And in terms of data sources for historical data, you probably want to be looking at like baseball reference most of the time because they do such a good job. Um, but in terms of like pr- projection systems for going forward, one of the things I like about Fangraphs is that it does give you access to steamer and zips. Um, and it's easy to compare the two uh, as a result, uh, they also include like some fans and other projections that I think are less scientific. Um, so I don't tend to use them. But I think most of the time when we're looking at projections, we're almost always looking at some combination of Zips, Steamer, and Pakoda.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll echo that. And I would say that's intentional. I mean, I th- assume many of you are... Baseball respect to subscribers, and I'm not suggesting you cancel your s- subscription and look at some of the other projection systems out there, if that's what you're into, um, I actually think Pocota is valuable and helps. But, you know, I think one thing that we've seen, or one thing that we, we the community, have seen, uh, that researchers have seen, is that, you know, the more information you have about multiple systems correlating with one another, the more valuable the information is. The best projection system is a... is an amalgam of yeah. the, pro, the projection systems that are most valid.
3: Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning here, too, that um, some of the MLBAM guys, I remember Corey Schwartz has posted this uh, I think for the last few years now. He always does, like, a, a composite of various projection systems that includes some of these. And... I think some of the research has shown that those composites tend to outperform any one of the projection systems therein, just because, on average, it tends to be just as accurate and it washes out some of the blind spots or weaknesses of each of the specific projection systems.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. I think we use as many data sources as we can find, but we're also a little lazy, so (laughs) ones that are easiest to use and we can have best access to use those. We'll we'll try anything. Um, Okay, Uh, we are going to do one more question. Uh, This one comes from Jim. Um, Jim has a team that needs to be blown up. He's taken what I think is the uh, important first step. He's identified the players that he wants to keep for the future. Uh, Posey, Belt, Castro, Arenado, Dickinson, and Yelich. And he wants to know how to maximize return on players like Cole Hamels, Johnny Peralta, Brian Anderson, John Jay, the bullpen, and anything else he can use to salvage for a pick for next year. So his question to us is: How do we go? What's the best way to go about um, uh, advertising these players to trade for the future? Do you just send an email to the league and get it going? Do you find weakness in specific contenders and target them specifically? Um, what you know? What's the best way to get the most value uh, in return? for these players.
3: Uh, okay, so if it's okay with you guys, I'll start again, and then you guys can... Oh, definitely. You're the, you're the expert here. If Yeah, I suppose if there's something that I'm better at than you guys, it's this sort of thing. So uh, trading always is sort of an it-depends, case-by-case basis type of thing, so I'll try to speak as generally as I can, and hopefully it'll be useful to everyone. Uh, I think the first step is figuring out if there are specific guys that you would like to acquire... Um, that are a good fit for your long-term uh, plans. And that doesn't have to just be like, who's the best prospect? It could be a thing where you're like, oh, I really want to add um, a middle infield hitting prospect or whatever. And so maybe you're like, oh, I want to go find the team that has Mookie Betts or something like that. Um, uh, and I guess Betts is in the outfield now, so maybe bad example, but um, you get what I'm driving at, basically. If there's specific targets that you know you want on your team going forward, um, then by all means, certainly approach those owners specifically. If you're less sure, and especially in the case of less valuable assets like relievers, um, you know, there's not really any number of relievers that you could put into a package that's going to get somebody to give up Mookie bets um, compared to like Cole Hamels or somebody like that that's um, notably more valuable. And I think in the case of those less valuable assets, or if there isn't a specific uh, asset that you'd like to acquire, some type of advertisement always helps, and usually the way things work out, uh, either you'll be able to get enough interest that you feel confident that moving him will give you good value, and you've gotten a sense for the landscape in your league of the offers that are available, and you can pick an offer that you're confident is the best available offer, um, or you won't get a ton of interest and you'll want to hold off. Uh, So the strategy I would advise is put together an email that has the guys that you're willing to essentially put up for auction, um, describe their strengths, make sure the other owners in your league understand what they're getting and why they'd want it, Give it a week or two for responses and then make a call and either say, okay, I've gotten like three good offers so far and I'm going to explore serious, um, you know, trade talks with, um, you know, just those three, probably more than three is going to be hard to do like specific talks. Um, or maybe you don't get any interest and you just kind of wait. But I think if you do get enough serious interest that you're comfortable making a move, Uh, and you're, like, going to get good value regardless of which offer you choose, uh, you probably want to set some type of deadline for yourself and for the other owners so that they know what to expect. Because a lot of times when they're looking for one of these um, pretty significant assets, they want to get that asset on their team as quickly as possible. And the tendency, I think, in trade negotiations is for things to drag out a little bit unless there's immediately uh, synchronicity between the two sides. Um, And so to avoid that, like, extended back and forth, I think it's a good idea to sort of set a deadline and make expectations clear for yourself and the, like, two or three other folks that you're talking to to say, I'm going to make a decision by, you know, this date or whatever. It's great to do it on a Sunday so that people can get the trade through and then have them in their lineups for the next week. Um, And feel free to send as many emails back and forth in that, like, week or two between when you are sure that you have enough interest and you're going to make a deal and when you actually finally decide um but try to get that deadline as quick as possible because it's going to keep the other parties interested and it's going to make sure that they're motivated to like engage in that back and forth with you because they know that um this guy will be traded and it's in their best interest to put their best offer forward uh And the only other thing is, if you're going through that back and forth and you feel like things are stagnating, um, one of the things that I think can be very helpful is just to say, uh, you want to try to make it simple for everyone, and you basically ask the other guy, say, I just need to know what is the best offer you could possibly make for this player. And give him enough information, him or her enough information, to know what you're looking for. So it's not just a nebulous, like, give me your best offer off the cuff. Uh, it's like a very specific, um, like I said, middle infield prospect or something like that, that uh, they can actually like put something together and say, like, you know, this is your one chance, basically, or this is your last chance, and just say, like, I'm going to take the best and final offer from each of the three teams and make a decision on that. Um, and it'll make it a little bit easier for you not having to go back and forth with all three of them over and over, And it'll make it a little easier for them, because they'll know, okay, I basically have one chance to put my best foot forward of the offer that I feel good about making, and if he chooses mine, great, then I'll make this deal that I feel good about, and if not, I'll know that I did everything I could to get the guy that I wanted, and I was going to have to give up something I didn't want in order to get him, and everybody will feel, I think, relatively good about the way that it ends up, regardless
1: of what decision you make. Okay no uh i think that's all great advice and really um you know makes it clear like the steps to trading the uh the only thing i would think about adding is uh in terms of uh you know approaching the trade maybe from the other perspective as well and just uh one thing that i I've thought about it or try to do at least in my head but maybe even good to have a spreadsheet down is like for each team you know just write down are they contenders are they not like what is the next move that I would make if I was this team Sure. and then, and then go back to your roster and see if you have a player worth giving to them.
3: Yeah and I think that's a great first step to take to make sure that you're aware of what they want so that when you're engaging in talks with them you're not offering them relievers if they've already got a shutdown bullpen or whatever Um, because obviously that's a waste of everyone's time
2: yeah yeah and to your, the point you, uh, one of the last points you made Ben I think you know you always want to get as much value in trade as possible but you want to, you're always writing that fine line where you don't want to make it painful to eke out that last little bit from the other owner so you want to make sure everyone's comfortable in the process you know if in the end if you knew absolutely everything you could have gotten a Twenty fifth rounder instead of a twenty sixth rounder, or whatever. You know, like that's fine if it means that you made the other owner a little happier about the deal. Um, and I think that's it for the mailbag this week. Thanks guys, keep writing in.
1: Yep. Scoresheet at baseballperspectives.com Love to hear from you. I was hoping for a well timed bark. <laughs> She's sleeping. Nah, that's fair.
3: That's how we prefer anyway.
1: All right, uh, so now we're going to do what is... uh, I think we've done it two months in a row. So it's a monthly feature. We're going to talk about players uh, in each league that we want to trade for and players that we want to trade away. How are we doing on time? How many players do you think we should get through? Maybe. uh, Um,
3: We are are good on time. We're about 20 minutes in.
1: All right. Okay, so uh, maybe we'll go around the dial and talk about... uh, so one player, uh, well, two players from each league that we want to trade for. Let's start with the American league, right? Uh, cause it's in alphabetical order and at the top of the standings charts in your local paper that you have obviously read this decade. <laughs> um, Derek, why don't we start with you since there's no real order other than getting sniped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish uh, they could
2: randomize it. Um, so, uh, do you want to start with the players that we want to trade for that we want
1: to yeah, acquire? Yeah, somebody. Yeah, somebody who you would look and so these are hopefully players who are on most rosters who we think we'd be looking to trade for in the same way that they were uh, that we were talking about with the last article, looking to maximize their value.
2: Okay, um, and so what I did for a, a lot of the people I'm going to talk about is I actually looked talking back to uh, what data sources we used. I looked at Baseball Savant. And looked at um, batted ball velocity for a lot of the hitters um, so all the hitters I talked about I'm gonna I was this is my theme I was looking for something so um, in the uh, for the AL, uh, Hanley Ramirez is a guy I'm looking to potentially acquire he's got the 10th uh, highest batted ball velocity average batted ball velocity um, with a minimum of 50 at bats uh, he's been a little uh, bad bit unlucky but his strikeout rate has been um, consistent from year over year so he seems like a guy who will um, bounce back a little bit and I mean of course it's always if he can stay healthy but um, he seems like a guy who could present some value for the rest of the year
1: and he's crushing it on defense too which I really like
3: literally crushing it
1: <laughs> perhaps uh, yes I, I think does not know how to play the outfield is there a review that I've <laughs> seen recently <laughs> so <laughs> that's really exciting um, yeah that those ratings don't come until next year, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, plenty of time.
2: Um, do you want me to go for my second guy? Or do you want to go back around?
1: Well, we'll hop loop around, Ben.
3: Uh, so my first guy is Edwin Encarnacion.
1: Oh sure. Uh,
3: he's been struggling a little bit. Um, while Jared was talking, I actually pulled up his uh batted ball stuff. He's got a uh pretty solid, not amazing. Um, so hopefully I didn't snipe Jared. Uh, You know, I think Encarnacion has a strong track record, especially over the last few years. And there isn't anything that I can see that indicates a reason why he would uh, fall off a cliff like he has. Um, And he does have a very low batting average on balls in play, uh, which is, like, obviously a bell we like to ring fairly often. Um, His plate disciplines, like dragging a little bit, but not enough, I think, to explain, say, like a 50-point drop in on-base percentage um, and, you know, commensurate drop in uh, slugging. Uh, I think he's going to bounce back a little bit, and especially if you can talk his owner into uh, seeing the glass half-empty, you might be able to get a pretty good deal on him.
1: All right. Um, So this may be a little early, Uh, Like, people may not have gotten completely frustrated with this player yet, but I would be curious to ring up the Mookie Betts owner in your league Uh. Mm -hmm. and uh, see how they're feeling about that solid 240 batting average start with, you know, very little plate discipline and not a whole bunch of excitement. Um, It feels like there's been... uh, there's some backlash brewing in the community about people who kind of expected bets to come out and star immediately and just expected, I would say in general, a little bit more than this uh, to which I would say, you know, unlike, uh, unlike some of the players you're talking about, I don't think, I think the evidence for bets kind of supports his play so far. He's been a little bad of unlucky as well, but um, the bigger issue or the reason I would say to trade for him is he's freaking 22 years old <laughs> like just because you've been hearing about him every day for the past two years doesn't mean that uh, he's a bust and you know if you can let's say if you're a non-contender maybe this is a chance to give somebody a star and get the bets who's a potential first-round talent back hmm. you know I I don't know. I don't think you'll be able to get bets if you approach it at a discount. But if you're willing to trade away a significant amount of value, maybe you can get a little something like bets plus. Um, I like bets.
3: I had him on my list. I think that's a good pick.
1: Yeah, yeah, I
2: like it. Um, my second guy in the AL is uh, Trevor Bauer. It's not a by low candidate uh, yeah. to be sure. But um, I think that um, I buy what he's doing now. He's um, you know near the top of the league at generating weak contact. Um, if you look at BP's new DRA statistic, I think he's ninth overall. Um, everything supports, the at least in my mind, the um, numbers that he's putting up. So if you can find an owner who's maybe looking to hedge his bets a little bit, I would buy into Trevor Bauer.
1: Uh, Jarek, you would ask for his album as well, right? <laughs> no question. You're on, man. <laughs> that goes with that saying. His rap album, naturally. Um, <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, of course he has one. Uh, Ben, who's your second player? Uh, Mike Napoli. Uh, oh,
3: sure. I didn't intend it to happen this way, but I think Mike Napoli is similar to Edwin Encarnacion in that uh, he's not performing up to expectations so far, and he's old enough that you could probably see it either way uh both of these guys are uh i think um, napoli's 33 encarnacion's 32 uh so they're getting up there where you could see this as like the beginning of a decline if you wanted to um they're also i think generally old player skills types of guys um and i think it would be surprising to see both of them decline quite so much uh Napoli is still holding his peripherals, I think, a little bit better than uh, Encarnacion was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, similarly, his batted ball velocity, to borrow from Jared, is, you know, pretty solid. Uh, So he's hitting the ball hard. I guess it'd be interesting to hear from folks that watch him play often, um, if they have a sense for why he's, um, you know, only getting on base uh, 22% of the time when he puts the ball in play, as opposed to his career, norm, and, you know, the average that we expect being closer to 300 So again, maybe just like ringing the Babbitt bell, but uh, I think Napoli has also been heating up recently. So maybe
1: he'll continue that. Yeah, last week's Player of the Week in the AL for people who follow follow that award closely, as (laughs) I'm sure we all do. Uh,
3: I definitely don't, but
1: um,
3: when it makes me look like I know something, I'll agree with it, just like any good analyst
1: would. (laughs) Yeah, naturally, of course. Sure. Speaking of uh, making ourselves look good, uh, I am going to recommend a player who has made no one look good. Uh, so Aaron Hicks is not is not somebody who has uh, really, I, I maybe never hit a major league baseball. You have no proof of that. Um, you know, he's a career sixty eight OPS plus at this point, uh, which is not wonderful. Uh, his batting average is 240. Don't worry, that's a career high. Uh, his career batting average is 205. Uh, so why are you recommending it, Ian? Uh, good question. Um, I would not suggest backing up the Brinks truck for him, but I think there is every chance in the world that the Aaron Hicks owner in the league is uh, worried that they are going to get no return on their investment. So if you can give them a 28th round pick and just... This is for non-contenders, especially just spec on his value for the rest of the season, uh, and just see if he can sneak over the wires as a thirteenth keeper. Uh, the thing about Aaron Hicks is that he is a center field defender. I do feel like range rating gets underrated in score sheet to some degree, and that players with the uh, players with the highest defensive value kind of get overrated, but players who are just good solid defenders make it a little underrated and Hicks has also crushed the miners a couple years running like it's not that he can't hit it's that it just hasn't really translated yet and I could see him being something Denard Spanish going forward um, and again if you're willing to speculate on it there you go D- Denard,
2: is Denard Spanish El Darnardo <laughs>
1: thank you oh dear <laughs> you're fired again <laughs> uh, should we uh we should stay in the al uh so uh, jared why don't you pick a player to trade away
2: um the first one uh it's near and dear to my heart caleb joseph um, oh who is doing you can make an argument that he's been the third best catcher in the american league um so, but Matt Wieters is coming back soon, and that may not be widely known around your league. Um, Joseph's got the bank stats, and he's still got a decent chance of rotating in for playing time, um, especially if Chris Davis doesn't actually heat up. He could slot in at first a little for the Orioles. So I just see this as a local maximum of Cale Joseph's um, value, that um, if you hold on to him too much longer, you might not be able to get anything for him.
1: Sorry, Jared, just so I have this right. Uh, Cale Joseph is going to play first? Or Wieters, I mean, Wieters is sliding so, in first, and so. Steve Pierce at second? <laughs>
2: um, just as long as no one's playing their natural position, I think we're good.
1: Okay. Uh, I just want to make sure we're staying up to date on the defending division champion, Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. News from the front. All right. Uh, ben, a uh, who, player who you trade away? Um, I'm going to go with Anthony Ghost.
3: Uh, Anthony mm. Ghost is writing a 465 BABIP
2: That seems gonna, sustainable
3: I'm going to let that sink in for a second <laughs> uh, He's hitting out of his mind on his 465 BABIP and is well above career norms and any reasonable projections uh, so this is a simple uh, BABIP wee wee uh, alarm for our uh, talk show friends and uh, I'm going to sell sell, sell
1: Yeah, I would say, watching a few Tigers games, uh, their announcers are convinced he is, like, great.
3: Yep. (laughs) That sounds like par for the course in Detroit.
1: So, we'll see how that goes for everyone. Uh, Maybe there's someone in your league who is convinced as well. I agree. Uh, So, my number one, I also feel more strongly about this than anyone else. I would call... Everybody, or, you know, email. Don't call. What is this, 1985? Uh-huh. Um, I would email it, send everyone a strong email, and just see, gauge everyone's interest in seeing how Nelson Cruz is uh, oh, whoa,
3: whoa, whoa.
1: reacted to around the league.
3: He was on my backup list if I got sniped. I like, I like it.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So he's done it two years now, or one and a <laughs> half years convinced me that he's doing it for three more months and convinced me that a player who has had, what is it, two healthy years in his career is not going to have a hamstring injury and miss yeah, six plus, weeks of the season. He's
3: no spring chicken.
2: Yeah, there was a Grayline article about him, wasn't is it? Did Jonah Carey write that one? Yeah, I, I think know. so. He believes.
1: Uh, yeah, I, fine. We'll trade him to Jonah yeah. <laughs> uh, in that league that we were in. Oh. That's an inside joke for the three of us. <laughs> um, really exciting for podcasts, but like there's, there's going to be somebody in the league who believes in Nelson Cruz more than me. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's no way he's on my, you opinion.
3: know, he's hitting a home run on 30% of his fly balls.
1: That's, yeah. Yeah. doesn't feel totally sustainable, but who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe this is, di- Yeah. maybe Nelson Cruz has broke gravity.
3: <laughs> he should be doing something other than playing baseball in
1: that case. <laughs> well you gotta know where your skills are Jared this is the <laughs> second pick.
2: Bro, he's singing wicked um, I'm gonna go with Jordano Ventura he's lost a few ticks on his fastball and um, I could build an argument that he might be settling into a new level not a bad level just not as good as he seemed maybe a year ago um, and so if you can find an owner who thinks he is that guy then you might be able to make some value off of it
1: Mm-hmm. Um, nice. yeah maybe he's not great <laughs> that's unfortunate but true uh, Ben who do you have
3: uh, so I've got two more guys that are each like half of a sell candidate because I'm not sure you're actually going to get anything for either one of them but if you could I would sell uh, Avisail Garcia or Jimmy Paredes uh, I hadn't even heard of Jimmy Paredes but apparently <laughs> he <laughs> plays for the Orioles Uh I was basically looking at a BABIP leaderboard in case it hasn't become clear now. Um, Perez also has a pretty significant home run for fly ball, so he's uh, writing what I think is an unsustainable 412 BABIP and a 228 isolated power, uh, which is basically double his career norm uh, to a very spectacular 960 OPS. Um, That's an easy sell. I think uh, Garcia's Performance on paper is, or at least on surface, is not quite as shimmery, um, but similar situation, high babbip etc. Uh, so yeah, I'd sell either one of those guys.
1: That's totally fair, uh, Jared. What's a be- what's a Jimmy Paredes? <laughs> a fantastic.
2: He's uh, basically this year Steve Pierce.
1: Yeah. Um, what position do the or- would you play him at in this Orioles Doomsday scenario? Short. <laughs> midfield. Oh, jeez. Does he pitch? Uh, does he catch? I mean...
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess anywhere. I, mm, yeah, everywhere.
1: So while pondering that dystopian and, nightmare... And <laughs> Uh So I am going to suggest a player who does not uh, not show up on the Babbitt leaderboards. Um, Michael Pineda is someone who we actually have tried to trade away. Uh Not super successfully. So, of course, we're recommending it to you. Uh, If you're a Michael Pineda owner, um, you know, I think... I would say you've gotten more out of him than you would have expected. Like He looks like somebody who is going to front a rotation for you. Michael Pineda has had one healthy season in his career. Um, And, you know, I think he's certainly discovered something about uh, how to never walk anybody again and be the new Brett Saberhagen. But Brett Saberhagen got hurt every other year, too. So, um, I mean, I don't think... I mean, we ultimately decided to hold on to him because he's certainly valuable. But I, you know, I think when you get, like, these fluctuating values, and uh, especially accruing in your starting pitching, it might be best to see if you can convert that to a similar quality position player as soon as possible if you weren't relying on them in the first place.
3: I think it's worth noting, too, that we were willing to take some kind of discount below what he looks like he'd be worth because we know it's there's some risk there, but uh, we didn't even get any offers that were close to where we were expecting to sell him.
1: So maybe uh, hold on to Michael Pineda or even buy Michael Pineda. <laughs> no, that's
3: not what I mean. I mean, like, it's a good time to sell him, but you shouldn't expect to get full value for what appears on the surface. Oh, for sure. And part of the reason for moving him is because you want to offload that risk to somebody else.
1: For sure. Uh, all right, why don't we hop over to the NL? Because uh, I know we've got a harder deadline than usual. Um, Jared, let's keep going. So we'll start with you again. Uh, who's a player you trade for in the NL? Trade for
2: my first guy is uh, Jorge Soler. Um, his numbers aren't super great, and he's got a super high BABIP, so Ben may have him on the trade-away list. Um, but um, he's got the fifth-highest batted ball velocity. Um, it looks like he may be selling out for power uh, because of that BABIP and yeah. the um, increased strikeout rate. So there are flags, but he's you know, the power's gonna play and he's only twenty three years old, so I'm banking on someone being able to help him or him being able by himself to figure out how to control the strike zone just a little bit more. I mean, with that kind of power that I mean is obvious right now, I think that um, he can figure out a way to hit in the big leagues.
3: Yeah, I actually looked at him and wasn't sure what to do with him because he does figure somewhat high on the Babip leaderboards, strikes out a bunch. Uh, and then I was looking at the um, batted ball velocity stuff and noticed that he was really high. It'll be interesting to see how he develops. Um, So I had two guys that I was going to mention to acquire, uh, but I'll just talk about them at the same time because they're kind of the same person. Um, They're both Nationals pitchers, uh, and they both, I think are better than what we've seen so far. Gio Gonzalez and Steven Strasburg. Um, I think a lot has been said about Strasburg, so uh, I'll just sort of paraphrase it to say that a lot of that also goes for Gonzalez, with the exception that he's actually had much better performance so far. His ERA is not nearly as high. Um, but I think both of them uh, look like they will get better because even still, like Gio's like uh, 4.5 right now. Um, with his FIP, which is based on those peripherals that we were talking about, uh, being under 3. Um, uh, there was also an interesting conversation on the Effectively Wild podcast that I'll refer everyone to about Strasburg a couple days ago and about um, how much higher his ERA is than his FIP and whether we think he's going to actually be the ace that everyone expected him to be or not, and so on. So, uh, I think both of those guys are worth acquiring. Um, obviously... They're going to be expensive. Um, the guy that's got Strasburg has probably been holding him for years and is going to, like, make you pry Strasburg away uh, out of cold, dead fingers, most likely. So maybe Gonzalez is an easier guy to acquire. Um, but both of them, I think, would be good value if you could get him.
1: Yeah. It'll be very exciting to see uh, Steven Strasburg on the Dodgers next year. Um so, my, uh, my first player is somebody else, uh, who owners may be super frustrated with at the moment. Uh, Jason Hayward oh. is uh, having a pretty terrible year, as I think uh, all of his owners can attest. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> of which we are among them. Uh, right, I, uh, what is it, 290 on base percentage, 387 slugging. Uh, completely supported by every relevant metric Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) again this is not like uh, this is not me saying that uh, um, the numbers are wrong which is why I think uh, he actually makes for a trade candidate in savvier leagues that uh, this may just be a case where people are uh, frustrated with him and also worried he might cross over At the end of the season. And if you are the kind of owner who wants to take on some risk. um, I think there's still upside here. You know. He hasn't obviously been the same since he entered his shoulder a billion years ago. But he's still 25 years old. And you know. Maybe I think people were anticipating breakout. And seeing him go in the other direction is probably a bad sign. But that doesn't mean that. That's just narrative. And you know. If you can. Draft projections against narrative. I like that kind of making that kind of deal any day of the week. Hmm. Um, all right, Jared, number two.
2: My second guy is uh, Jimmy Nelson. He's uh, ERA estimators have um, his ERA above four, but I'm going to take the under, uh, which is where I think he currently is. He's top 15 in the league and. Uh, Dra stat. He's got a little bit of high of a walk rate, but he's inducing a lot more ground balls this year and um, a ton more weak contact.
1: I haven't seen him pitch yet. I'm, I'm excited to do so. Um, did you know Jimmy Nelson is from Niceville High School? No. Oh, oh man.
3: That place definitely isn't made up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if you're at like Niceville High School and you get bullied every day? <laughs> I Where do you nice transfer to? <laughs> well,
2: I thought isn't Niceville the sequel to Pleasantville?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, Ben, uh, did you go through both of them? Or yeah, uh, I, I was, was naming five, I them see?
3: both at the same time to okay s- save time, I guess.
1: Sure thing. So I'll um, move on. So number two for me was um, oh, uh, player who's actually uh, showing signs of life for the first time, Cameron Maybin. Uh, hasn't been relevant in years. Uh, So there's a chance that the Cameron Maybin owner in your league got him as like a late round flyer. Um, I think that his performance is to a degree for real. And again, this is. The downside is you get a player with some pretty good defense. Uh, He gets hurt all the time. Uh, This may be a fluke. So price accordingly. But. You know, if this is a chance to get a center fielder for the next year, or maybe even next year or two, um, you may want to do it. And you get some nice bank stats going into the playoffs, if nothing else, as we talked about. Um, So, again, we'll move to the flip side. Uh, Jared, uh, who's a player you would have on your NL team who you'd look to trade away?
2: I'd try to trade away or Molina. Uh, he turns 33 in a few months. He's shown basically negative power at this point, and an <laughs> incredibly low batted ball velocity.
1: When's um, the last time sl- he hit a home run? It's been like
2: ever, right? I think so. Oh. Um, and he's got a slight uptick in Babic that's making his average and OBP look the same as last year. So superficially, it looks like he mean you know you could build might commit someone that he hasn't degraded too much. But to me, he seems like someone who's quickly looks like on the way out.
1: Yeah, he's starting to hit like a Molina <laughs> once again and make turn that into the statement it always was always meant to be. Uh, ben, do you have a name?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm going to go twofer again, and I'm going to go with pitchers again. And I think one of the things that's interesting here, and I, I'm interested in your guys' take on these two guys, but uh, these are both uh, pitchers that I think are establishing themselves as solid number two, possible number one types of guys. Um, But I think they are at local maxima in their value and are good sell candidates. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first is Jake DeGrom, who's actually a little bit older than you might expect, given that he's only been in the majors for two years. This is his age 27 season. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second is Shelby Miller, who is 24 this year. Uh, Both of them are pitching extremely well. And I think... As you've heard us say before, there's some inherent risk in all pitchers. And especially, I think, for Miller, given that he's a little bit younger, uh, he's been fairly healthy so far. Uh, and in the sense that health is a skill, that's probably a good thing. I think I am personally always kind of wary. Uh, and if you have the opportunity to turn a really solid pitcher into a solid offensive assets. Uh, It makes checking the lineup card or the um, results every week that much more interesting because you're going to win like eight to six instead of two to one uh, if you have a bunch of bashers. Uh, But I think both of these guys are good sell candidates in the sense that we are trying to extract as much value from them as assets as we can. And I think uh, as their ERA catches up to their peripheral based run estimators, their value will go down and there's always the potential for injury, et cetera. Plus, Degrom's on the Mets, so there's always
1: the Mets factor. Yeah, uh, the Mets could go to seven-man rotation, a ten-man rotation. Bert Degrom <laughs> could pitch once more this season. Who knows? Uh, one thing that uh, you may you didn't mention, um, but that also ties the two together is that they've had like you say that they haven't had injury records, which is true. But they both had like weird shoulder things, um, and Degrom is currently just. Went through a weird shoulder thing And I am a little skeptical To be honest uh, For On both of them as well I would hit eject on Shelby Miller Immediately well, There you go <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, My first trade away candidate is a player Who I generally like but that's why you trade away Assets uh, Michael Franco is uh-huh. um, Somebody who has Established himself as the reason To watch the Philadelphia Phillies Unless you are into uh, the zombie outfielder show. Uh, that said, so he's 22. He is going to um, have the job for the rest of the season. And he's show- already showing a little bit of power. And I think the Phillies are willing to roll with him no matter what. Because like there's no way he could be the worst hitter on that team. Just impossible. And they've just moved Kodiachi out of the way in order to give him the job for good. Uh, that said, I don't know how long it's going to take Mike Helfranco to return keeper value for you. You know, the on-base percentage is going to be a problem for a good long time. And so we're probably talking a year or two before he really establishes himself. And, you know, it's uh, I would say keep saying on these players who are not stars but who get brought to the majors early you really have to ask the question, is it worth taking a bath for a year in order to... Uh, you'll get really pretty. Just a warning. But is it is it worth, you know, having an average or even below average player for a year or two at a position or, you know, throwing out those keeper protects in order to get the value at the end of it? Um, it's possible. I, I You know, I... I Think I would certainly recommend keeping him. He would end up on a keeper list next year for me. But you know, maybe you want to see if there's someone in the league who wants him. You know, now that he has kind of cleared that path and uh, established himself, and so, since you were not counting on him this year in the first place, it could be found money if you're contending. Uh, Jared, uh, who's your second
2: pick? My second guy is uh, James Shields. Um, cool. Every single one of his numbers this year looks like a typo. Like whatever site you're looking at, it looks like it's been hacked when you read through it. He's got an 11.84 strikeout per nine inning, but he gives up two over two home runs per nine innings, and his uh, left on base percentage is 86. Like all these, it's just none of the numbers make sense to me, and that that scares me, I guess a little. Um, you know, the only thing I could see is he's throwing a ton more knuckle curves, but he's getting killed on fast. I don't know. Like none of this makes sense. So that strikes me as the guy that. But Jared,
3: he's six and zero. He's got to be good.
2: Scoreboard <laughs> uh, baby. How do you give up so many homers playing for
1: the Padres?
2: I, I don't know. Like it just doesn't make sense.
1: So, you fear what you don't understand. Exactly. <laughs> excise Obviously. it from your presence as quickly as possible. Don't we yep. all? Understandable. <laughs> uh, so Ben, you went again, right? So yep. I'll uh, I'll finish up and say um, that. You shouldn't trade James Shields, you should trade James Shields' rotation mate, Andrew Kashner. Mm. Um, This is actually, you know, this is a very similar reason to Pineda. There's nothing in Andrew Kashner's performance that is uh, uncompelling. It's just that he has now had the longest stretch of health that he's had in his entire career. And, you know, do you trust that that's going to last forever? Um, he's performing a little bit above his fifth, but you know, it's San Diego, so that might hold out. Uh, but, you know, again, like the risk that he comes back to earth a little bit in the r a the risk that he gets um injured, which, you know, he has been injury prone throughout his career, and the risk that he gets moved, because San Diego is a disappointment, um, are all I would say relatively high, uh you know, I think there aren't there's nothing impending about Andrew Kashner that's gonna cause him to dip in value, but everything I can think about in his future outcome is kind of bad, okay. so I think now is a good time where there's nothing particularly concerning me to move him and you know again, see if I can lock in some position player value at that same level. All right. That's about all we got. Anything else? Uh, which of us would we trade for, and which of us would we trade away? Go, Jared. <laughs> trade me away. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I, I know we're about to lose you to this an insane thing that you're doing i don't know i assume that'll be the best thing you saw next week there's
2: there's a good chance
1: yeah but so let, let's let have you go first this week uh so what jared what's the best thing you saw this week
2: the best thing i uh, saw this week was my brother getting married uh Aww. my brother got married uh this past sunday
3: congratulations Kevin
2: to a lovely woman who is really great um so i hope Gavin and Meredith are happy forever and ever um but no one really cares about that. So um, the quick tidbit I'll share is that um, that was co-best man. So I gave the, you know, best man speech along with my other brother. And um, I was talking with this little kid. <laughs> what, a,
1: what a cop out. Yeah, it would, be, it would be really awkward if you were the co-best man, like with a stranger.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you just uh, had
1: another brother there. Too.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was talking with a little kid and his, uh, his parents uh, after I gave the speech, you know, during the reception. Um, and the little kid goes, um, are you a comedian? And I was like, I don't know. Thanks. You know, like I, you know, that's nice. I, you know, a little nervous about giving the speech. I'm glad that he thought it was funny. And his mom's like, yeah, we've been watching a lot of Frasier. He thinks you're Niles Crane.
1: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, we should have closed with that. It, maybe we will. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thanks kid. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Um, so. Uh, obviously you all don't get the video podcast So um, the thing You may not know Is that uh, Jared is a complete Doppelganger for David Hyde Pierce <laughs> <laughs> It's uncanny
0: um,
1: Yeah uh, Do you want to finish Polishing your uh, tea trays While uh, I go uh, To Ben and oh, yeah Again congratulations Gavin and uh and what what's the best thing you saw this week?
3: So last week I talked a little bit about my plans to see Pitch Perfect 2. And that was very good. Uh, I would definitely recommend seeing it. Uh, it was not the best thing I saw this week. I went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, and nothing about Milwaukee was the best thing I saw this week either. <laughs> uh I went there I went I went there to be a spectator for the USA Ultimate College National Championships. And the ultimate was really compelling, uh it was good, it was entertaining, a lot of fun. Uh while I was there, I learned that and I've talked about this a little bit. I was coaching this year for the University of Michigan women's team. And the best thing I saw this week was that I apparently, for reasons unbeknownst to myself, won the Coach of the Year Award in our region.
2: Oh, hey, congrats. Uh,
3: which I didn't even know like how it worked or anything when I heard about it. But the reason it's the best thing I saw this week is because the only reason I could have won is basically because all of the girls voted for me and or did some type of meager campaigning or something. I don't know. Uh, it's basically voted by the players in the region. So, some combination of our players and the other players that we played against thought that I was the best coach, uh, which was very humbling and flattering and made it all even more worthwhile, but uh, definitely made my week. So,
1: that's amazing. Yeah, that's great.
2: Um, do they think you were the best coach or the most attractive coach?
3: Um, hopefully, both. Hopefully, both.
1: <laughs> How much do you look like Niles? <laughs> hopefully, not at all. Okay. Um, and, uh, I guess just one uh follow-up question oh, or yeah for everyone out there go back to the part where Ben was telling you about uh giving you trade advice and just remember that that is coming from a coach of the year. Yeah, <laughs> coach of the year.
0: Congrats.
1: congrats! That's really great. Coaching you up. Yeah, congrats to everyone. Uh I have nothing worth congratulating about. <laughs> uh so I feel like a real bummer anchoring this one. Uh but the best thing I saw this week very quickly, one baseball one. Uh That Noah Syndergaard start yesterday, uh, seven and two thirds innings, threw a sinker 100 miles an hour on the corner and hit a home run, uh, (laughs) 420 foot home run and went three for three. Uh, Video game day. uh, That's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) I can't wait for that. Um, Okay, enough real stuff. Um, Jared, I know you have to run, so I will say uh, the second best thing I saw this week. Uh, was a uh... <sighs> So I won Our annual Cantasy draft Which is of course as everyone knows The draft where You pick independent movies Screening in CAN And see which awards they get And get rewarded uh, and Get points based upon How many awards and nominations that they receive Is
2: this the third year we've done it?
1: It's the third year we've done it uh, we are the consecutive fourth and fifth place finishers, <laughs> despite having invented this ridiculous game. And we
2: should know there's five people, so that's second yes. to last. <laughs> nice work, boys. Yeah.
1: <laughs> despite having invented the game and coming up with the rules, I so I was like, uh, sh- I was convinced that I was going to become the Dan O'Quint of Cantasy, where you like you invent the game and you just never win. Um, but, uh, I managed to pull it off, uh, with, uh, just a w- great one, two punch of the lobster and deep movies that I'm sure everyone listening to this are super familiar with. Uh, that's what I like about it.
2: is by the guy who did dog teeth in case that rings a bell for anyone.
1: And, uh, if that doesn't ring a bell for anyone, good. You now know enough to play can <laughs> it's bizarre if anybody is slightly interested in the world of independent cinema wasting time and fantasy sports uh hit us up score sheet at dot we'll send you the rules <laughs> best for four six players uh but really bizarre um anyway uh the best thing i saw this week is is not that uh so at the top i gave a bunch of strange um strange comments and uh so, David Letterman retired last week, and, um, you know, that was someone who certainly... Uh, I, I was not a regular Dave watcher, but certainly had a lot of influence on my sense of humor and the sense of humor of a lot of the people who I pay attention to. Uh, so, some of you may be wondering, um, you know, what, with uh, Dave gone, with Stephen Colbert gone, for now, and with uh, J- uh, Jon Stewart leaving, what do I do for talk show fun because I feel sad and confused and awkward? Uh, if you, you know, I, I don't mean to generalize, but you are listening to the 50th minute or so of a score sheet uh, fantasy baseball podcast. So I'm going to assume that not all of your tastes are mainstream. <laughs> I know, going out on a limb here. But if you have, you know, if you are perhaps a little left to center, a little... Uh, Do not necessarily feel comfortable in your skin Sometimes feel a little awkward Uh, There is a terrific show for you Called The Chris Gethard Show Which is premiering on Fusion today Today, of course, being a relative time uh, When you're listening to this That would be May 28th So you'll probably be able to see the first first episode By the time you're listening to this uh, If you Google it tonight Um, I've been watching it for years I've been watching them grow Uh, The show is Terrific. It is strange, it is weird It is earnest and sad And sometimes very funny And sometimes people get kicked in the face (laughs) Uh, It's kind of a combination of Like, I would say a Jersey Punk rock show and Pee Wee's Playhouse Um It is like nothing else you have seen or will see On TV. I cannot recommend it highly Enough Uh, The first episode's coming out soon. I actually already watched It uh, through the power of live stream. It's going to uh, It was, um the opening topic was what is the weirdest thing about your body? Uh, it's with the ladies of broad city, which is another show that is compulsory watching, um, where we learned that Abby from broad city is in fact a genital wizard. I will leave it at that. <laughs> uh, if you guys are, um, yeah. And it's, a just happens to be, uh, one of the funniest and most genuine things on television. And I really hope it does well. And I suggest everyone start watching it. Um, and that's about all I've got. Uh, and I know one of us has to go to a bizarre pinball thing. So, As opposed to a normal pinball thing. That's a spoiler for next week. In case you're hanging on the best things we saw this week. Foreshadowing. Uh, tip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I,
3: was say, I don't think they what call will... it a spoiler when you don't know the...
1: Uh... Yeah, what will happen? Um, who knows? Anyway, uh, that's all I've got. Everyone else good? Yeah. All right, if you got anything else, drop us a line at scoresheet at baseballperspectives.com. Anyway, on behalf of Ben Murphy and Jared Weiss, I'm Ian Lefkowitz. Thanks again, and have a great day. Three true outcomes, they want to entertain
0: you today. Three true outcomes, insightful baseball news underway. Three true outcomes, come on out to their ballpark and play. Three true outcomes Ian, Ben, Sharon Score sheet baseball can be tricky If you don't possess the edge They'll call it the way they see it You'll rarely hear them hedge They each possess the knowledge Home from years of play You want to win at score sheet You're going to want to stay with Three true outcomes They want to entertain you today Three True Outcomes, sightful baseball news on Three True Outcomes, come on out to the ballpark and play. Three True Outcomes, the number one independent score sheet podcast in the USA.